0: And we ask you, dear God, to bless them, bless their bodies, bless their mind, bless their spirit. Everything about them, dear God, you can just touch them and they'll be made better. So many people lonely just need your touch, need your care, need to hear from you, dear God. Help us to stay in thy word and stay close. We ask you, dear God, to bless tonight now here as we study thy word together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've had a, a couple of calls this week asking me to try uh, to explain what's going on a lot of people don't understand the war that's going over in the Israel and I'm on, I'm starting to study I got some things on I've had for years but I'm very interested in it um, and just to show you what I'm talking about before I get into the message tonight Israel is God's chosen nation and I don't care who it is uh, if, if you don't know that Israel is God's chosen nation and then you don't understand the uh, war that's going on there and the terribleness of it and, and let me say this, that uh, one of the ways that you can know that Jesus is coming back soon is when the whole world goes against that one little nation. And I used to think about how's that going to happen? Well, it's happening right now, even in the United States. And uh, that concerns me because uh, as, we, as long as we've been a nation, we've honored the Jew. We've honored the Jewish nation. And God says in His Word, I didn't choose you because of your size or because you were a good people or because you love God. He said, I chose you because I love you, not because you love me. And He's talking to the nation Israel. And so we know that God loves that little nation. And He plainly says... In the book of Revelation, it's mentioned 200 million foot soldiers is going to come down from Noah, and uh, I I studied that and invade Israel as a nation. And uh, I studied there's only one nation in the world that has 200 million foot soldiers. That's China, and it's right where God describes it in the book of Revelation that's going to happen. And anyhow, I'm, I'm interested in it. I've been studied. I've been j- just a few things about it. But I want to get it all together before I really uh, bring it to your attention. I hope to in at least the next couple of weeks to have it ready. So pray for me as I study that, if you would, please. Now, the book of Hebrews, uh, the book of 1 Peter tonight, uh, chapter 2, Instead of reading the chapter, what I'd like to do is just go through uh, verse by verse, a few verses, and bring out some things that I really enjoy today. I I pray it will be a blessing to you. In chapter 2 of 1 Peter, verse 1, Wherefore, laying aside all malice, and all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babies desire sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, in concerning the first few verses, that little word wherefore takes you back to verse one, or, or chapter one. And what it's talking about here is newborn babes desire to sincere milk for the word that you may grow thereby. Now what we're having today in a lot of religious realms is that we're trying to teach baby Christians anything but milk. Now, the Bible uses the Word of God as milk. Notice verse 2. And they're trying to feed the newborn babies in Christ with things. And can I say this to you? You can get a baby that's hungry, and you can give them toys to play with, You can get them all kinds of things to play with and do things with, but they're still going to be hungry. They're going to be still desiring the sincere milk of the Word. And I believe that that's what's happening uh, to the world today, uh, that these people are getting saved as newborn baby, but then they're being led astray, and they're not being fed the Word of God. Look at verse 6 now. Wherefore, also it is contained in the scriptures Behold I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone elect precious and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded now I love that, that verse especially because if you're a Christian tonight you don't have to be confounded because the Bible says we will not be confounded if we are Christians and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ now that takes us back to Isaiah 6 I mean verse 6 wherefore it is contained in the scriptures that also is a quotation from Isaiah 28 and verse 16 now going forward on the next verse if you would please verse 7 verse 7 unto you therefore which believe he is precious talking about Jesus the chief cornerstone The stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Now verse 7 makes it plain, In spite of Israel's turning down Jesus, this same Jesus Christ is made the chief cornerstone. Then verse 8, And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient whereunto they were appointed. The Lord Jesus is not a rock of stumbling offense to us who believe, but he is to those who reject God's word. Notice, whereunto also they were appointed. This again is the foreknowledge of God. God knew that among Israel and among the masses of people, uh, these would be multitudes who would not confess him as Savior and would not bow their knee to him. Now, verse nine down to verse eleven is where I want to talk for a few minutes tonight. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy. But now, how obtain mercy? Dear beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Now, taking verse 9 through 11, uh, these three verses, there are seven great marks of Christianity, uh, characteristics of the believer. Number one, somebody says, Can you know who is really saved? I believe you can. If you put them up against the Bible first of all a believer as a believers we are a chosen generation this means a chosen family the family of God is an elect family now this does not give us any room for glorifying in self, but uh, this gives us all glory to the Lord as believers we're a royal priesthood in the New Testament there are no priests As were in the Old Testament under the law Uh, there and then there were many priests in Israel who ministered unto the people and meditated uh, for God but in the New Testament every believer is a priest we have no need of another priest we ourselves can approach God today by the one mediator Jesus Christ our great high priest in other words every saved person knows the word of God and we're to give it out to other people we're priests of God Then Uh, now that don't mean we have to wear a particular clothing or turn our collar backwards or call us priests as some people do it just simply means that we handle the word of God we know the word of God we know our Savior and so we don't need another mediator between God and man we have one that's Jesus Christ. Thirdly, as believers, we are a holy nation. Now, every saved person in the grace of God is a holy person, a holy man. This does not mean we're to think of ourselves better than somebody else. The only holiness we have is the imputed holiness and the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ the Lord. But in Jesus I am a holy man, and so are you. Now, as believers, we are peculiar people. Did you know in the eyes of the world, we are most peculiar? Paul says we are become fools for Christ's sake. The world has never understood men and women of grace who have the Lord Jesus Christ in the Bible. So don't expect the world to become friendly to you. In First John chapter 3, verse 13, Marvel not, my brother if the world hates you, so we know the world's going to hate a believer that stands for the Word of God. We don't go out of our way to be a peculiar people or to cause trouble, but because of what has happened in our life, being born again, we are naturally a peculiar people. Now, as believers, we are the people of God, then, and as believers, we are strangers in this world. As believers, we are pilgrims in this world. Then note verse 11. Dearly beloved. Now this terminology only includes those who are chosen as a a chosen generation. The unbelievers of the world cannot be included here. Peter goes on to say, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Now a pilgrim is one who does not become settled. A stranger is one who is looking for a city that has foundation which God built. Therefore, we are pilgrims, of strangers on our way to that city of four square. The things of the world become strangely dimmed in the eyes of a saved man. We are not attracted to this world. Uh, abstain from presley lust, which war against the soul. We're to turn away and resist fleshly lust, which war the world is full of. Simply because when you are estranged in fleshly lust, you will not pray, you will not read your Bible, you will not study your Bible as you ought to, nor will you attend God's church fellowship with believers when you become attracted by fleshly lust. So fleshly lust war against the soul now go to verse 12 verse 12 having your conversation that word conversation simply means your everyday living having your conversation honest among the Gentiles that whereas they speak against you as evildoers they may by your good words which they shall behold rule for God in the day of visitation Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or under governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers or for the praise of them that do well. For it is the will of God that with well doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now I want you to take this please and put down the, all of these the key here is in verse 15 for so is the will of God that will well do it you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men now I went through the Bible and I was looking for this word the will of God did you know here's one of the few places in the New Testament you find the terminology of the will of God there are only three mentions or references to the will of God in the New Testament 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18 is 1. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So I know that it is the will of God, that anything that comes into my life, I'm to give thanks for it. God let it come into my life. Amen. So I know it's the will of God. Now, it's the will of God that I don't fight the law. I'm just for demonstration's sake. We're not to get out here and march and demonstrate against the law. That's the will of God. We don't do those things. Then, the third mention of God's will is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1-12. In these three portions of Scripture, Paul seeks for seven things involved in God's will. Number one, you will never gain the victory by arguing with foolish men. Remember that. You can argue... I like what one man said to me one time. Uh, He was talking about this very portion of Scripture. He said, you know what's wrong with a man, a child of God, arguing with a fool? He said, you argue with a fool, and somebody's standing around listening, and they don't know which one's a fool. Amen? And so you don't do it. You don't win an argument with a fool. Leave him alone you will never gain the victory by withstanding the world we're not here to fight against the world you're not going to change this world God's going to call us out of this world, amen we're to get people saved out of the world you're not going to change it, it's going to get worse than world number three, the world is not friendly to the grace of God and never will be if you you go out of this place tonight you take your Bible, you go to door to door, and you start knocking on doors, door to talk to people about Christ, try to win them to Christ. Everybody's not going to love you. Amen? You would think they would because you're trying to keep them out of hell and carry them to heaven, but they will not love you. The world will not love you. The only way you can uh, gain a victory and put to silence the ignorance of foolish men is by a day-by-day dedication finding the will of God and then doing the will of God for your life. Now verse 16, as free and not used in your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as a service of God. In other words, we are free from sin and condemnation. Did you know I told a man this one time uh, and I really believe this. I'm free from sin. Did you know how many sins Jesus died for? All of them. Think about that for just a minute. Every sin you'll ever commit in the past, present, and future, Jesus died for all of them. Now let me show you something. I can go out of here tonight and I can drink a beer if I want to. I'm free. I'm free to do whatever I want to do. God has saved me from all my sin. But I'm not going to do it. I will not do it for this simple reason. I'm not going to use my freedom of liberality in Christ Jesus to lose my testimony to keep somebody else from coming to Christ. So I keep my body under subjection. I am free from sin, but I'm not going to take advantage of that. And that's what Paul is talking about here. To sin, that I can sin and do things that the world calls sin, and I'll cause somebody else to stumble before the Lord and I don't want that I want to keep a testimony where I don't cause anybody to doubt that I'm sincere now verse 17 honor all men love the brotherhood fear God honor the king now this is the daily conduct and daily walk of the believer as a born again believer serving the Lord we are to honor all men alike not to be a respecter of persons, we are to love men's souls, rich or poor, sinners or saints alike. We are to love the brotherhood, those in the family of God. Then we are told to fear God. Now, this is a reverential fear. This is not as fearing God as my enemy, because God is not my enemy. I don't fear God as my enemy. I, I fear God with holy reverence. So, then we are told to, to honor the king and the powers that be. Respect, obey man made law, thereby honor the king. Now, listen to verse 18. Servant, be subject, uh, be subject to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. Now, notice that Master may not be a considered or kind person. If He's over you, you are to be in subjection to Him in the glory and honor of God. In other words, do it for Jesus' sake. Now, the spirit of rebellion and lawless, uh, God says, avoid that. Now, I want to show you something. <coughs> verse 23 verse 21, 22, and 23 Christ is our example then go notice verse 24 who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes you were healed now of course this is talking about Calvary Jesus bore mine your sins on the cross nobody else can do that and the only way I can reckon myself dead to sin is through the work of Christ on Calvary. That's past tense. You were healed. Now, notice something, please. And, uh, and I'm through tonight because I want you to see this. The word healing in verse true has nothing to do with uh, physical healing of the body. But it has to do with the fact that sin is now paid for. We are now justified. Because of the substitution of death and sufferings of Jesus Christ. Now, verse 25. For you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your soul. Now, in this verse, in both past and my present condition, we were lost in sin. Now we are found and saved and sound and safe. Now, the great truth of the careless sufferings of Jesus is given to us in verse 21. 25. In other words, now the lamb is offered. Now the price is paid. Now the blood is now given. Now the door is thrown open wide whosoever will may come. Now here's, here's the problem that I'm facing as a preacher today. <clears throat> In fact, I was talking to a man just yesterday and we got off on this subject of the troubles in America today, and uh, that Biden is our president, is causing a lot of it because he's uh, incoherent, I believe. And we were just talking about uh, some of the things that's, uh, that's happening in our country and the laws. And no, it seems like, and what I was talking to him about, I thought in America that we had three <clears throat> governing bodies we had a Senate. The Congress and the Supreme Court, and of course the President, and he can oh, veto. But it was set up in America where that if, if somebody went crazy and did crazy things and hurt our nation, another part of our government would override it and keep it, it would keep us all straight. It seems like that somebody's pulled a plug and just said uh, we can't do that anymore, and just letting everything and nobody's stopping to anybody doing anything wrong in government anymore and we were just talking about that and I said you, you know what but they're still my governor. they're still my president as much as I don't like him I'm going to honor the office I know a lot of preachers for instance that uh, necessarily I don't like them as pastors and preachers but I honor their office a lot of Christians. I don't like some of the things a lot of Christians do. But honor their faith, they say they belong to Christ. Amen? And so what we are to do when it comes to human government, I don't like a lot of things. Uh, for instance, uh, uh, when they say abortion, I don't like that. Amen? And and here's what, if our government uh, told my wife that she had to have an abortion there's a higher law than men's law, and that's God's Word. Now I'll ask you something. Uh, did you know that the, 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 the disciples said we ought to obey man, or we are to obey man than God? No. What they were saying is we're to obey God rather than man. But, if you got government over you, you honor your government, but when they override the Word of God, you go by the Word of God and so uh, you stay right with God but you honor your government because without government we have anarchy and we have confusion and, and it runs rapidly in the street. so God ordained a government and we're to honor that office amen and that's very plain in that one chapter here that we read tonight and so when somebody goes to talking about uh, about the government and those in office remember some they're there because God let them be there Amen and so you got to remember that as much as we disagree with a lot of it let's pray Heavenly Father we ask you to bless the reading and studying thy word tonight you're so gracious to us and Father if we'll just stick to your word and honor you in everything that we do although we're free. We can do as we please. You saved our soul. You set us free. But we want to honor you. And be no stumbling stone, no stumbling block for another soul coming to you through our testimony. Bless us, we pray now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight. I feel great. I might feel, I sound bad, but I don't feel that bad. I ain't going down there.